All right, well, I, I do want to say this. We're in a series um, on the Proverbs. It's kind of our summer series. And, and just to kind of catch everybody up to speed, we've been challenging you all summer long to, to go through the Proverbs on your own time. And, and so what we're doing as a church is we're reading a proverb a day. Um, some of you, that's, that's, that's what you're doing for your reading time. Some of you, you're, you're adding that to your, you know, your annual Bible read-through or whatever study you're in. But we're challenging you guys to do that, a proverb uh, per day as we go through the series. And it works out really well that today's the 31st, and there's 31 chapters. And so today you read Proverbs 31, and then tomorrow you go to Proverbs 1 and start all over again. So we get to read through the Proverbs three times together this summer, which works out really, really uh, well. And, and so I, I just want to remind you, if you haven't been doing that, get back in it. And uh, if you are doing it, press on. We've got another month, and uh, you'll find that the repetition is very, very helpful, fruitful for you. Um, you. You say, oh, I know that one, and then you read it, and the Holy Spirit kind of illuminates it in a new way for you. So it's a really cool thing that he loves to do. And so be doing that. And then also, for those of you, it's your first time here, you're fairly new, or you were here last week, and I wasn't speaking last week, uh, a friend of mine was, but uh, I just want to let you know kind of our typical format is what we like to do as we, we, we uh, go through Scripture together on Sunday evenings is we like to take a book of the Bible and work through it, generally speaking. So we'll do a New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, back and forth. And in the middle, we'll put in topics that are real pertinent to our church. Uh, today we're in the Proverbs. This summer we're in the Proverbs. We're going through a book. And this is a little different than how we typically do it, too. When we go through a book, typically we'll just kind of go verse by verse through the book. But since we're going through the Proverbs, they're a little bit scattered. What you have is a lot of nuggets of information just really crammed together and overlapping. And so what we're doing, rather than just going chapter by chapter and confusing the mess out of you, what we're doing is we're taking topics and themes from within the Proverbs, major ones, and really digging into them. And today, we have the privilege of going through the, the, the topic, or at least beginning the topic of wealth. And I know that uh, this is extremely important to all of us, wealth. I mean, we, we, I mean, instantly, I don't know where your mind goes, but instantly we have thoughts that pop into our head. And it's extremely important. And, and I would also probably venture to say that for many of us, it's also extremely uncomfortable to talk about wealth, especially inside of the walls of the church. Because maybe, like me, you've, you've been flipping through the channels on your TV and you land on those awesome Christian television stations, right? And, and you've heard maybe somebody sitting in a gold throne with big hair and makeup, and they're saying, in Jesus' name, give us money. He'll bless you a hundredfold. And, and maybe you've heard that, and maybe you're just saying, oh, man, we're talking money in church. This is really not where I want to be right now. And you're squirming. I don't know. And, and, and I think that's, that's some of you. And, 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 and I, want, I want us to talk about it because it's important. And we, we have misconceptions and wrong ideas, and it's, it's very important. Wealth is spiritual. Wealth is spiritual, and we need to see that tonight. I don't know what comes to mind when when I say wealth. Maybe for you, it's luxurious living. You hear wealth, and you think lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? Just uh, a few weeks ago, we were on vacation with my family in Newport, Rhode Island, which is one of my, you know, my my favorite cities, second to Boston, of course, in New England. And uh, Newport, Rhode Island is just known for luxury, right? You've been there? Luxury, right? You, you have the, the, the cliff walk, and along the cliff walk, you'll pass the Vanderbilt Mansion, the Breakers, and it's the biggest you know, building that people actually lived in that you probably will have, you'll ever see in your entire life, and you get a tour of that place. It's unreal. You can drive down Ocean Drive, and you can see immaculate lawns and, and, and buildings and architecture like you've never seen before. And so I don't know, for, maybe for you when you hear wealth, that's where your, your mind goes. Maybe for others of you when you hear wealth, your mind goes to your lack of wealth, right? And maybe you hear wealth and you start to think, 
okay, I got a lot of bills to pay. I got college loans. I've got rent. I've got debt. I, I have all these things. And, and your mind, when you hear wealth, is your lack of wealth and anxiety maybe even for you just begins to, to, to well up. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I think we're all at different places. But let me just establish this, that compared to the rest of the world, we need to know this, that compared to the rest of the world, we're doing all right. I mean, we are doing all right. And just for fun, I want to do something. I typically wouldn't do this, but I think it's, I think it's interesting. And Sam's going to pull up a, a website on the screen here. It's called the Global Rich List. Uh, and I think it'd be interesting for us, Global Rich List. And, and, and you'll notice here that on the bottom left corner, annual income, and so we're going to change it from pound to dollar, U.S. dollar. So she's going to do that for us if my computer doesn't slow down. There we go, U.S. dollar. Okay, we're going to plug in. This is, this is risky for me to even give us a, a number here because I don't want to offend anybody. But I just think maybe let's just give a, a, a good kind of middle of the road, nice even number salary, annual income. And I think it's probably pretty safe. So let's just put, let's just put $50,000 annual income right there. And what this is going to do, she's going to click show me the money. And it's going to show us where we line up compared to the rest of the world, all right? She clicked it, and you'll notice poorest on the left, all the way to the right is the richest. And so if you're bringing in collectively, husband and wife, by yourself, you're bringing in $50,000, it says you're in the top 0.98% richest people in the world. And, and, and you can even drop, I, I, just to play with it a little bit, I dropped it down to, to $10,000 a year and it still doesn't drop very far down. I just want you to see that compared to the rest of the world, we're, we're doing all right. And it's really easy for us to, to drive, you know, out of Rosendale and into West Roxbury and see some really nice houses or even venture into Newton, God forbid, right? Venture into Newton and you say, man, I'm struggling. I, I'm, my goodness, you see these places. But you need to know that, that compared to the rest of the world, we are, we are loaded. And we can look at each other easily and say, I'm in need. We can look at our, our financial situations and our burdens that we bear financially and say, I'm in need. And I think the question is, are you really? Do you have to have everything that, that you're paying bills for? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and you know, the, the Lord Jesus talks a lot about money, a lot about money. Believe it or not, he talks more about money than the topics of heaven and hell. You believe that? And the reason I think that, that he does that is because money is man's most common substitute for God, isn't it? We, we commonly will substitute money and wealth and things that, that money buys. We'll substitute that for God and it becomes our Lord. And so what I want to do tonight is just kind of just burn through some Proverbs together. Like I said, we can't just go word for word, line by line through a text because it's just all over the place. So I want to burn through some of the highlighted uh, Proverbs. And so the first one I want us to look at is Proverbs 18, 10 through 11. Let's look at Proverbs 18, 10 through 11. If you want to be brave and get your finger work out, you can certainly flip through it with me tonight. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible of your very own, please, on your way out, grab one of these in the back, and we would love for you to have that, take it home, and break it in. I think a, a good broken-in Bible is a sign of a person that is uh, growing big time. And so take a Bible. Proverbs 18, uh, 10 and 11 is where we're going to be. Here's what it says. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. And so here's what we have. Let's stop there for a minute. Here's what we have. We have really two types of security laid out here in the proverb. The, the first type of security 
for, for some of us, maybe the Lord. I mean, we, he is our security. We trust in Him. We have faith in Him. We believe that, that we have sinned and he, he was sinless. He came and walked the earth as a man and lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved in our place that He didn't have to. He did that and so we say, you did it. You paid the price. You then resurrected back to life and so I trust in you, you are my security. And so he's the one that, that you know that you're, you're working towards for your life. You're, you're moving towards eternity with him. When, when times of uncertainty come, you call out to him. When, when you need comfort and solace and difficulty, you call out to, to him. And, and he becomes your, your strong tower. He's your security. That's one kind of security that I, obviously I want to recommend to us. I, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart that this does not fail you. He will not fail you. But here's, here's the most common kind of security, and that security is our wealth. Proverbs 18 here says that, that our wealth for many of us, like this man, is, is our strong city. It's our, our high wall that we build up. But it goes on and it says where? In your imagination. So it's just a figment of, of your imagination because what's going to happen is your wealth will fail you. Scripture says that it's going to it's going to burn up. When, when the world is done, it's done too. You don't bring it with you to the other side. It will fail you. It's, it's just temporary. So whether it's your house, your car, your toys, your comfort food, uh, your, 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 your photo album from vacations, whether it be entertainment, clothes, on and on and on and on we can go. What you're doing is you're building up a high wall. That for you is some kind of security. Maybe for you it's even this wall that distracts you a little bit. and You can't see the other side. And so for you it's some kind of comfort. And, and you're distracting yourself from really the deeper issue. That which will last and that is the Lord. And so is the Lord your, your strong tower, your only hope for eternity. He's your, your security. And so many people, it's not true. And for so many people we worship our possessions. We worship our our, our money that, that buys our possession. And, and, and maybe you think, good thing for me, I don't have any money, so I'm all set. I'm, I'm poor, I'm all set. Well, let me just say, you, you, might, be, you might be finding security in, in, in your, your lack of money, right? That might be what you're, you're anxious over money. You're just, you're, your heart just is, you're going nuts about, about bills and all kinds of things and, and, and all the, the issues that hinge on, on money or lack of money. And what you're doing there is you, you've developed a fear of money, right? When we intro this series, looking at the first chapter of Proverbs, the prologue, what did we see? We don't fear money. What do we fear? We fear the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord, later it says, is the beginning of, of, of knowledge. And so what you're doing when you're anxious over these things is you're fearing money and you're not fearing the Lord. He's the one who can dispense it. And he's also the one who can withhold it at, at any, any time. And so, let me say this. I, I, I don't know what you would have plugged in on the website. And, you know, quite frankly, it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal uh, in light of eternity. I, I don't know what you would have plugged in. But regardless of, of where you're at financially, we've all got wealth. Because wealth is, is not simply our money. Wealth is this. Let me just kind of give you, if you want to write this down, wealth is just very simply an abundance of anything of value. Wealth is an abundance of anything of, of value. And so wealth is not just our money. We could say it this way. We could say wealth is our, our treasure, sure, money and the things that it buys. It's also our time. And wealth is also our talent. 
our, our ability. So wealth is our, our time. We've got a wealth of time. We just choose how we're going to invest it, whether it's in work so we can kind of raise to a, a standard level of living that, that we might want to be at. Uh, we, we've got time. We've got treasure, things in our house. I mean, you go in my basement. I'm not a wealthy guy by any stretch. I've got a lot of junk down there. I, I have some treasure, right? And, and treasure might be your money. And then we have talent. We have abilities that God's given us, giftings that God has given us, whether things you were born with or maybe when you came to faith, suddenly he just started bringing something forward. It was what we call Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 a spiritual gift, and maybe you have that. What has God given you that you can contribute to the, to the world. And so we have wealth. No matter who you are in the room, we, we have wealth. We've got it. And so what I want to do from, from this point forward is I want to uh, walk through just a series of principles um, that we get from some other verses in the Proverbs. And these aren't going to be, you know, this isn't going to just completely cover the topic. In fact, it's going to take a couple of weeks to, to work through this. And so this week we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna jump into some Next week, I'm away speaking at a camp in New Hampshire, so pray for me and pray for a few hundred kids that get to listen to me 11 times, my gosh. And so pray for those guys, and then, uh, but the following week, um, we'll, be, um, we'll be tackling part two of wealth, but we're going to organize the principles this way. Wealth is and wealth isn't. Very simple. Wealth is and wealth isn't. So this week, we t- we, we, uh, we'll touch on the is. Wealth is. And so let's just jump right into it. Number one here, wealth is necessary for your life. You hear me? Wealth is necessary. It, it is necessary. I mean, under, understand that, that money and wealth, possession, things, they, they are going to pass through your hands throughout the course of your life. And, and, and therefore, it will pass through your heart. And I think God allows it to pass through your hands and through your heart because it is, it is a real good test to say, what do you really worship, Right? And it's, it's necessary uh, spiritually for it to go through your hands, right? It's, it's necessary that it, it, it goes through you. And I, I feel like this one in particular, wealth is necessary, really probably targets uh, a, lot of, a lot of younger people in our generation. I think this one's probably pretty appropriate for, for younger people because, you know, oftentimes I'll get a young idealist come up to me and, and, and with completely good intentions just say something like, Josh, I'm going to be a minimalist. I'm not going to have stuff. I'm just nothing. I, it's just going to be awesome, and that's how I'm going to live. Money is not a big issue to me. And, you know, often I, I get like a quote from First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, which says something to the effect of we brought nothing into the world and we bring nothing out of the world, right? And I love that scripture, and I think many of us would be well served to memorize that scripture. Uh, we, we really would, but, but I think so often people will say... we. We bring nothing in. We, we have nothing out. Therefore, I don't need, I don't need anything. I'm just going to live free of anything. I'm not going to have a bank account. I'm not going to have a savings. I'm just going to go with the flow, and, and I'm going to be a minimalist. And listen, here's the thing. You have to have stuff. You have to have stuff. And if you want to exercise the, the, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs, you've got to save. Don't be a fool, right? You, 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 have, to, you have to save. You've got to have money. You've got to eat. You've got to have shelter. You've got to have clothing. And, and if, if you're going to exercise the book of Proverbs to the fullest, you want to be able to pass something on to your children, whatever it may be. You want to pass something to them, to your grandchildren even, it says in the Proverbs. And so let's not be crazy here. Uh, we, we have to have some form of wealth. It is a necessity in our life, even just to live. I mean, many of us guys, and maybe guys, you've been here, hopefully this isn't just me, and I just totally spill all of my cards here. But, uh, 
many of us guys at times, you know, will periodically dream of just quitting our job, just going and just, just going into the wild and just being a jungle man. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody, guys? Please tell me I'm not alone in this. Okay, maybe I am. Now I'm embarrassed and you're going to leave the church because now I do want to be here. But occasionally, you know, it pops into my head. And I think, man, I just want to go. I just want to live off the land somewhere. I want to eat herbs and squirrels and, and I want to build a log cabin. I mean, wouldn't that just be, that would be awesome, right? And so, so many of us guys kind of think that. And you're like, man, I don't need money. I'll just live off the land. But the principle is still there, isn't it? The principle is that you have to work to survive. You have to work to earn living and and so you got to work the land so that you can live and, and and whether you're in the wild or whether you're here you've got to work you can't just say forget it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go and be the apostle paul he had money issues guys we, we have to we have to and, and and man i remember just a few weeks ago i beat up on the men pretty hard didn't i really god did um pretty hard with the proverbs where it just straight up he just beats up on those who are lazy those who are sluggards those who are slack, he says, it's shameful. Let's, let's, let's put that one up on the screen. Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. Here's what, it, here's what it says. It says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. It's shameful if you won't work. It's shameful if you're not out, if you're out of work looking for it and saying, I want to provide, I want to I I work hard, I want to, if you're single, I want to build some kind of savings so that some woman will want to marry me and so that I can provide for her, right? I want to, I want to put good bait on the hook, right? If you're a guy, you've got to get a job, you've got to work, and, and, and we've got to be diligent. And it says, listen, if you're diligent, you get a good return for your work. It's, it's just a simple principle, and it, it needs to be, needs to be heard, but I think our generation is really breeding a culture that is just lazy, right? A culture that just kind of thinks, I can cruise through life and things are just going to be handed to me, right? Even in our, in, in our, our government struggle with the debt, which is just so right in front of us right now, isn't there just so, there's just so many people who think, I can receive but not contribute, right? It's just, it's just rampant, right? Our, our education, I have some friends who are teachers who are like, Josh, it's it's not just as easy as giving a student the grade they deserve anymore. You can't just give a student. They think if, if I showed up to class, I'm entitled. No, you're not. But that's what our culture is, is allowing for. And, and they might be able to kind of cruise through out of some kind of entitlement, but it's not going to do them any good, is it? Right? Likewise, my, my buddy owns a couple coffee shops in Worcester, and he's telling me uh, a few months back, he's like, Josh, you, you're not going to it's It's really hard to fire somebody. You can't just fire somebody. I'm like, what if they're lazy? You can't fire them. That, it's not that easy. What if, what if they do something foolish? You can't just fire somebody. There's all kinds of hoops you've got to jump through. And our culture is just making provisions for, for, for laziness. And our culture is doing that. But let me just tell you, in the end, it does you no good. If you're a sluggard, you're not going to find a lot of success. You're just not going to find a lot of success. It's right there in the Proverbs. But listen... We, we don't need to be diligent and, and work just purely for the, the income so that we can provide for ourselves, our families, our, our, our church, our, our ministry, our mission, right? We don't, we don't need to work simply for that reason, but there's, there's even more to it. Proverbs goes on. L- listen to Proverbs 13.4. Check this out. Proverbs 13.4. It says, The soul of the sluggard 
craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So it's not just about the needs, but it's also about your heart. <laughs> if you're lazy, if, if, if you're lazy, it's not good for the soul. It's not good for, for the heart. It's, it's just not. We talked about this uh, as well when we went through biblical manhood. We, we, we saw that, that men from creation, before sin entered the world, before the fall of mankind, we were designed to work. I mean, that's our domain. And, and I was telling you about this guy I was recently talking to who was like, man, I haven't been working in a long time. I'm trying, but it's crazy. It's affecting my heart. And, and guys, we, we need to be productive, and, and God has wired us us that way it's it's good for the soul it's important for the soul and so wealth and 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 the work that leads to the wage and the wealth is is necessary for us on on so many fronts men women all of us it's 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 important god lets it go through our lives wealth passes through our hands and through our hearts for a reason here's the next one that's that i think is is really important wealth is dangerous for your soul Wealth is dangerous for your soul. So it, it does pass through, but can I just say it's dangerous for your soul. And I want to be really careful here because just because something's dangerous doesn't mean we should avoid it. You know that? Like it's dangerous to be a Boston police officer. But we need people to be Boston police officers, right? We don't say it's dangerous, nobody be one. We need them. What happens is it's dangerous, but you have to understand the precautions. And so they understand that when they pull somebody over, they don't run up to the window, right? They're going to slowly walk and check things out before they get up to the window of the car. They understand that they're going into a house. They're not going to just dance on up there, chit-chatting away about the donuts they just ate, right? Uh, that was a bad stereotype. I'm so sorry. And, but they, they walk slowly with their hand on their weapon just in case, right? You have to be cautious. You don't just avoid it and not do it because it's dangerous. You have to be cautious. And likewise, money is dangerous, but we need to deal with it. We, 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 we don't just decide we're going to become monks and not have any money, just leave it to other people, and that, as if that's somehow more spiritual. No, it's necessary, and, 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 and it's important, but it is dangerous, and we need to learn some of the precautions and be familiar with those. Here's, here's another proverb, Proverb 37 through 9. This is the words of Agur, and Agur is this, this man who we know very little about in the Proverbs. We know that he was very wise because he, he made it in the book. So this is good. Here's what he says. He says, it's a, it's a prayer to God. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Pretty good stuff. He says, God, I don't want either ends of that spectrum. Put me right in the middle. I know where I'm weak. Put me right in the middle. He, he recognizes that there are dangers with regards to, to wealth. Whether it be the possession of it or the lack of it. He knows there's, there's dangers. For those who have wealth, they can become very full and they can say, who, Who's that Jesus again? God? What? I, I'm all set. I built up a wall, right, in your, it says, in your imagination. And, and it's this, this false sense of, of self-sufficiency. And it, it, it really separates us from many from the Lord. And it's dangerous. And, and, and for those who are without wealth, it's, it's a wealth issue 
as well. He says, keep me from being poor because I could steal. I could be tempted to, to steal. And I don't think that's the only one, of course. There, there are many temptations that come with a lack of wealth, right? For, for many of you, it's anxiety. <laughs> we know that that's not just something you treat, right? That's a spiritual issue, right? That is a spiritual issue. Philippians 4, 6 says what? Be anxious for nothing. Because when you're anxious for anything, you're saying, God, I'm going to worry about this. Don't worry about it. I got this. So be anxious for nothing. So if you're anxious about money, you're not, you're not handing it over to the Lord. Maybe, maybe the lack of wealth could cause you to sin. It's dangerous for you because it leads you to jealousy. Maybe you're a person, you know, you're, you, know, you know where you're at, you know where you struggle with your neighbor and his car compared to your car, or, or your, your, maybe your brother, your sister, people in your family, they, they seem to be so, so successful, and I'm like, oh man, and, and maybe that is, for you, jealousy is, is one. Maybe for you, it's, for many, I think it's a denial of God. Well, God, I'm, I'm not doing so hot financially. Where are you? And we need to be reminded that Jesus wasn't doing so hot financially either, was he? You know what he says? He says, the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. So Jesus is walking around homeless. Why do we think God is obligated to even give us a home? Right? We can still say, I'm wealthy without a home. God has given me so much. He's given me so much. And so wealth, whether it be the, the possession of it or the lack of it, is dangerous for our soul. 1 Timothy chapter 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So, it doesn't say this, as so many have wrongly memorized this. It doesn't say the, the money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. It says, it says money is a root of all kinds of evil. It, it is one of the, the things that can really trip us up. It is, it is dangerous for us. And, and notice in, in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, through this craving, some have wandered from the faith. So notice through this craving, we always assume that it's, it's the rich people that have the evil going on according to this verse. It might be the rich, it might be the poor. You might be the one craving it, whether you have it and you want more of it, or you don't have it and you want it. It's, it's a root of, of evil here. And I want us to know this too. This is really important. Because I think many of us can say, I don't have money, I'm doing all right, I can check out. But Proverbs 10, 16 Here's, here's what it points to. We'll put it up on the screen too. It really shows us that oftentimes there's already a heart condition going on. And the money is just like a big old flashlight. Points it out. There's already some stuff in your heart that is just way off course. And the money just really points it out. Here's what Proverbs 10, 16 says. It says, the wage of the righteous leads to life. The gain of the wicked leads to sin. So you see how that works? Money it magnifies oftentimes what is already going on in, in your heart. So for the righteous, when they get money, they use it in life-giving ways, positive ways. And I think Christians should be known uh, for handling their money differently than the rest of the world in a, in a better way than the rest of the world. And so money really will show, are you righteous? Have you, has God changed your heart? Or are you still walking as a, a, a son or a daughter of darkness, right? And for, for, for those who are wicked, when they get money, they, they often use it to support a sinful lifestyle, don't they? You give money and maybe, maybe it magnifies the heart condition of pride, right? 
Money can easily magnify pride. You just buy more stuff that makes you look even cooler and better, make you feel better about yourself. Maybe money magnifies the heart condition of anxiety. You buy things for comfort's sake, right? Maybe money will magnify lust, easily can magnify lust issues, whatever those lust issues may be for you. Maybe money magnifies idolatry in your life. Maybe you have some kind of, maybe you idolize um, sports, and so you get money, and the first thing you're doing is buying, boom, the biggest TV you can ever imagine. No thought to what the Lord would have. Maybe you buy, get, get some money, and you're like, season tickets to the Red Sox, baby, which, which aren't wrong in and of themselves, but, but it, can, it can show what, what do you idolize. Do you even go to the Lord for these things? And so money magnifies that. And, and, and I know that for, for those of us in this room, there are many uh, younger people who just getting into our careers just, you know, out of college or grad school or doctored work, whatever it may be, and you're just starting to make some money for the first time yet right now, and, and your, your, your bank account is not quite fat yet, right? And so you, here's the thing. I just want to plead with you to begin to examine your heart and the signs of, of, of sin before money examines your heart because then it just gets tangled up and, and hairy, and money... Wealth, it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And so be cautious. Do some examination and, and, and really learn the trappings. And you can do that by looking through the scriptures, through the Proverbs. You can look through countless stories, even, even old Solomon himself, right? You can look through it and see some great examples of, of what not to do, right? And so do that. Here's the next principle. Wealth is meant for needs. Wealth is meant for needs present and future. Wealth is meant for needs. I didn't say wealth is meant for pleasure. And see, that's where we go, don't, don't we? I mean, I, all the way back to my childhood. I remember, I'm, I'm telling you, when I was in second grade, I remember this, Christmas of second grade, I was the only kid in America that didn't have a Nintendo. I told my family this. I'm the only kid in America that doesn't have a Nintendo, and I'm just going to die if I don't have a Nintendo. And so for Christmas Eve, my uncle shows up, and, and he, he puts together this little newspaper article. He thought he was all, all quick on Microsoft, whatever it was back then, publisher. Um, and, and so he puts together this, this newspaper, and it said, Josh Wyatt, only kid in America without Nintendo. And I was like, see, I told you. I believe that. I told you. It's right here. And I was the only kid in America, right? So Christmas morning, I wake up, and guess what's there? A Nintendo, right? I finally had it, and I thought, I thought it would do it for me, right? But guess what? After about 10 hours of Nintendo, I'm like, what's next? What's next, right? See, see it's, it's meant for needs. It's not meant for pleasure. My, my, one of my favorite verses in, in the Psalms is Psalm 37, 4. It says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll be the one to fulfill those desires. And your desires will start to drift to become his desires, not the things that you used to desire, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, not in the other things of the world that so many people do delight themselves in. And in the book of Philippians, um, chapter 4, Paul really gives a kind of a lengthy treatment of, of this issue. And he's, he's been all over the place doing ministry. He's been doing ministry in all kinds of different conditions right where people put him up in great places and people didn't put him up at all where he was hanging out in in a prison for a while and doing ministry i mean he's been all over the place doing doing ministry and he says this he says he says listen I, i've been in plenty 
and I've been in hunger. I've been in abundance, and I've, I've been in need. He said, but I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be content. And his example to all of us is that our contentment, our joy is in the Lord. It's not in, in where we're sitting, where we're living, the, the, even the, the city we're in. Our contentment is in the Lord. I'm telling you, the last place on the planet I think I would want to live is like in Arkansas or something. You know, it's like the last place I would ever want to live in, right? But I'm thinking, could I be, could I be full of joy in the Lord living in Arkansas? You, you have to be. Paul was wherever God put him. He says, I've learned to be content. I've been full of joy. And he goes on and, and to the people. He says this. He says, I've learned this. He said, I've learned that my God will supply every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He says, God, God will supply your needs. He will. In other words, if you're living in faithfulness to Christ Jesus, he wants to supply your needs. He wants to meet your, your needs. And, and here's the thing. Oftentimes we think we have a need, and God says, you don't need that. <laughs> you don't need that. You, you, the Son of Man didn't even have a place to live his live his lay his head and, and and so god what he wants to do is he wants to meet our needs and not our greeds right and, and that's how that's how he works and 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 he, he really does want to provide for you and i think we're, here's where our mind goes god wants to provide for me on the spiritual level and i'll take care of providing for me on the physical level right but here listen to look in, listen to second peter 1 3 uh, it's a great verse to memorize i really think some of you should memorize this it says this it says his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness so yeah godliness but his power has also granted us all things pertaining to life because a lot of times we we get tripped up on godliness because we we, if if, i mean how can you you know if you don't have your provisions met food and shelter and water it's it's hard to to live for the there's distraction going on he wants to provide both because he knows that that even wealth and the, the physical things have spiritual elements to us right and so he's he's concerned with with both of those he's got the resources not just for your spiritual life but for your your tangible needs as well listen to proverbs 13 11 we'll put another one up there for you it says wealth Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will in, increase it. And so here's the thing. When you get rich quick, oftentimes what that means is that you're also going to lose your money quick. Get rich quick, you lose your, your money quick. Because what happens is you don't understand the value of money and you use it un, unwisely. But when you're diligent and you gain little by little by little by little, What's going to happen is you learn how to manage the money, not with this massive sum of money, but you, you learn little and you kind of grow in your ability to manage money and in a way that God uh, can honor or you can honor God, right? You learn that little by little by little. And, and, and so uh, that's, that's really what the proverb is, is saying. And, and later on in the, in the same chapter here in Proverbs 13, he goes on and talks about what we talked about earlier, about, about leaving an inheritance for your children and, and for your grandchildren and 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 it's a great thing to do if you can if you can it's a great thing to do and inheritance isn't hey here's my bank account it's a lot of money an inheritance may be a spiritual inheritance that you leave them an inheritance may be a home it may be just some some things that remind them of i mean there's all kinds of things that an inheritance may be but it comes after the warning of proverbs 13 11 doesn't it proverbs 13 11 comes first and 
And, and, and so here's the thing. If you're ever in the position, some of you, you're like, I wish I'd be in the position to give an inheritance. If you're in that position, uh, we need to be very mindful of, of, of how we dispense it in light of Proverbs 13, 11. Because if they gain hastily, it can also be quickly dwindled. And so we need to be very cautious in giving. And we need to be very cautious in in receiving. Have you ever noticed this trend? I, I don't know. There's probably some kind of formal name for it out there, but I've just called it the, the trend of the generation skip. The generation skip trend. You probably noticed this before, but, but everybody wants to give their children what they didn't have. And so if you grew up as a have-not, you want to make your kids a have, right? You want to give them a lot of stuff. You want to give them a lot of money. You really want to try to, try to, try to go big for them because you didn't have it as a kid. But what often happens is you were a have-not you pass so much to them, and they become a have, but you became, you, you grew, right, and you developed because of your lack of, right, and so you didn't give to your kids, and, and it was easy for them, and so they didn't develop a work ethic, they didn't really develop a, a good ability to, to manage money wisely, right, and so what happens is we start to skip generations, you have have, have not, have, have not, have, have not, skips a generation or two from time to time, and, and and so we need to be very mindful of, of money gained hastily. It can, it can really dwindle very, very quickly. Um, in, in fact, maybe some of you, you're, you're bringing in large sums of money right now. And good for you. Let's talk, right? You're bringing in some large sums of money. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean that you have to spend it at a proportionate rate. You don't. Because wealth is meant for what? It's meant for for needs, right? Present and future. And so that means that we, we have to learn to, to use it as we need it now, as we need it now, but also be mindful of the future and, and, and begin to save and to save for what's unexpected. And so it's, it's very easy for us to say, well, it's coming in really well right now. And so we raise our standard of living. People, we've seen the, the backlash of, of the mortgages, right? People get into mortgages they shouldn't get into. And what happens? It's no longer there as it was coming in even just a year ago, and they're in a lot of hurt, right? And so what we need to understand is, is wealth is meant for our needs, not for, to satisfy us. It's, it's meant for our needs, present and for the future. And so don't quickly jump out of in, into the next standard of living just because you have it, but how can you save and save for the future and save for the une- unexpected? So we're gaining little by little. We're also putting away little by little. And in, in Proverbs 30, uh, Agur again begins to impart some more wisdom. And this time the wisdom is kind of interesting because he says this is some wisdom that we can learn from the animals. <laughs> and he, he starts to talk about these little animals. And, it, you know, I don't know how you work, but I would just check out when I hear him preaching on little animals. But hang with me because this is good. Uh, he says we can learn from the ant, we can learn from the rock badger, we can learn from the locust, and we can learn from lizards. And let's just focus on the ant for a minute here. Here's what he says. Proverbs 30, 24 and 25, he says this. Proverbs 30, 24 and 25, he says, Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants, this is the one he, we're focusing on. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. So the ants, obviously they're weak, but they're wise, right? They're weak. I remember as a kid, one of my, my, my just favorite things to do in the summertime where I'm from Ant mounds just sprout up. I mean, overnight, just massive mounds would just sprout up. And big red clay down south, red clay ant mounds. And so the, what was fun for me is to hop on my dad's riding mower and just burn over those bad boys and just shoot the ants out at 
my sibling or something? No, that wouldn't be good. But it was, it was so fun. Ants are small. We can just crush them. We can destroy them. It's, they're, they're weak, but they're, they're very wise, he says. They're small, but they're, they're wise. And, and they're wise because what they do is they store up for the future. So as it's coming in good, all the food's available in the summer. They don't say, let's go for it. They put away for the winter when they're, they're a little more out of commission. And so when the provisions are coming in, they're not only eating, but they're putting away. And we can't be certain about the future, so we've got to be very, very cautious about saving and not be uh, one to jump on how can I raise my standard of living, but how can I save? How can I not spend everything just because I have it, but how can I, how can I save? Do I really need a nicer car just because I can get one, or should I, should I save? It's not necessarily wise. Um, put away. You should put away for when times aren't plentiful, when unforeseen trials come. Now, here's where it gets a little more tricky for some of us. When unforeseen trials come, not just for ourselves, but for others, whether it be children, grandchildren, friends, people in need that you don't even know, right? We need to be thinking about that. We need to be thinking about that. And so for those of you who I rubbed really wrong when I talked about wealth is an okay thing to acquire, and we need to be saying, yes, it is necessary, and I do want to acquire. It's a good thing to acquire. Proverbs says, gain wealth. Gain wealth. It's a good thing. We need to understand why. It's not gain wealth so that you can get big and far from God, but gain wealth so that you can save and give and help and be an asset. Be an asset and bless people. I love Acts chapter 4. Man, it's so awesome. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 give us these good summaries of the early church. You get to Acts chapter 4, and here's what it says. The the church in Jerusalem is just really doing well. People are coming to Jesus. God is doing a a big thing among those people. And, And in this newly formed church, people are coming to know Jesus, but there's also people who are coming with needs, right? And so what, what it says, it gives a summary. It says people start to, start to talk to the apostles, and they're like, listen, uh, listen, Brother Peter, I, I, have, uh, I have some land I've been sitting on for a while, and I'll sell it, give you the money, and we can meet some needs. Let's do it. Peter's like, let's do it. I, I have a house. We'll sell it. Let's, let's meet some needs. Let's do it. It goes so far as to say in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, it says, there was not a needy person among them. This is not like small, you know, brand new church in Boston, you know, 50, 60 people, right? This is, this is 3,000 people, right? 3,120 people to be exact. Not a needy person among them. These people are saying, I got it and I'm going to give it because my wealth is... For needs, not for my pleasure. My God, I find my joy in Him, not in my wealth. And so, I got it, I'll give it. Absolutely. Praise God for the opportunity. Praise God for that opportunity. And I want to say this. Within our church, there's wealth available. I know we're a startup. I know we're, we're, we're new. But, but there's wealth available. There's wealth in the form of time. We have some, some real time needs. Absolutely. And, and, and I think we have this wrong idea of what it means to be busy because if you're busy and you're on Facebook for two hours, you're not busy, right? If you're busy and you're watching a couple shows on primetime every night, you're not busy, right? You're not busy, right? And, 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 and so maybe there's time needs and, and you could be helping somebody with their children. Maybe there's, there's a, a time need that you can meet where you can help somebody work on their car, you can help them around their, their home, 
Maybe there's some people that need some counseling, some new Christians that need some discipleship, some follow-up. There's, there's countless serving our community opportunities that we can all jump in. Between all of us, no matter where we're, some are busier than others, right? Between all of us, we can meet these needs. We are the body of Christ and we compensate for each other. And, and like a body, we all together jump in, pitch in, and make it happen, right? There are needs and we can meet them. Not just our personal needs, but needs among us all. And we, we can meet them. There's also treasure needs, right? This is the money. This is the stuff, right? Financially, there, there are things that, 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 sorry about that, that you might need to, to, to jump in and, and help out. Man, there's going to be a period uh, in, in the not-too-distant future where we have to start to switch things over, where we have all these startup funds as a church, where now we've got to support ourselves. We've got to jump up and say, I, I want to I make this happen, right? It's a big step for a little church startup like us, right? We, we have to do that. Right? There's going to be, there's gonna be um, for, for, for us, a day when somebody just has some major crisis, and we have to jump in and say, how can we help? I was proud of how you guys helped with the, the tornadoes in Springfield. That was, that was just really, I was impressed um, that, that you guys would give and give so, so faithfully to the Lord and to that work. People we don't even know. That's a great example. I'm not just beating up on you. I'm saying, good job. Good job. Treasure needs might be somebody's moving, and I got a truck with a hitch. I have, a tre- I have something that I can contribute, right? Treasure might be, I, I have a house, and, and man, maybe we could start a connection group in that house, that apartment, and, and I, it's something that I own, and I could, I could put it towards the, the ministry. We can use it for that. We also have talent needs, right? God's given you talents, abilities. There's, there's people in here with, with, with accounting capabilities that are doing stuff that would just twist my mind into a pretzel, right? There are people using their, their talents. There are people using arts giftings for, for music. There's people upstairs right now using their love of children and their expertise with children, working with children. Uh, people who use their muscles before and after and move ridiculous science tables every single week that are about 500 pounds apiece. You know, now we're, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like one day they were dissecting a pig and the next day we're, you know, serving communion on these tables. It's just weird and wrong. I don't know. I mean, it would definitely be wrong in the Old Testament for sure. Right? But here's, here's the thing. We have needs. And can, that was real bad. We have needs and we can meet them together. We can meet them together. And I think this really segues into our last principle for the evening. Wealth is necessary for your life. It's dangerous for your soul. It's available for needs. Our last principle is that it, wealth is, is stewarded for our Lord. Wealth is stewarded for our Lord. Here's what John says in, in John chapter 3, 27. John the Baptist says this. He says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. He says, everything that you have has been given to you. Not just your stuff, your abilities, your breath. Everything has been given to you from heaven. And, and God could withhold it if he pleases. And at times he does. Everything we have is given from, from heaven. And, and God says you are, you are stewards of this stuff. Listen to uh, 1 Peter 4.10. It says it this way. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. I want to get these two words, steward and grace. And then we'll round third base here. Grace is, is getting what we don't deserve. And do we understand, do we really understand that we have turned our backs on an infinitely holy God? And so every breath that we get is grace, is getting what we do not 
deserve because we've sinned against him. And so everything with our breath and beyond that is, is grace from God. We've been, we've been given stuff according to God's very varied grace, and we are to be stewards of it. And what a steward means is you're a manager. You're a manager. You just go around the corner here to the village market in Rosendale village down there and there's a manager of the market he or she is the manager doesn't mean that he or she can walk the aisles and grab Doritos and start eating them as they please because ultimately it's not their stuff they're managers of the place right we're managers of everything that we have and so we're to consult God and say God this is yours what what do you want me to 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 do with it not to do whatever I want to do just because it's in my home, it's in my possession, it's in my, my heart, my, my DNA, who I am. I don't just do whatever I want to do. It's, God, what do you want me to do with it? How can I consult you? I remember when I was younger, I was a senior in high school, and I'm, I'm going through this, this process to go to the, the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut. And I'm going through this process, and it was like five steps, and I was at step number four, I got through all of those, and I just remember... Maybe I should pray about this. <laughs> God, you've given me ability to lead. God, you've given me a, a heart for people. I feel like, you know, one-on-one I can really help people. You give me a comfort level up front that and people would be freaking out about being up front even right now. God, what's, what's up with that? How, how can I manage it? In fact, God, let me tell you how I can manage it. <laughs> I'll go to the Coast Guard Academy and I'll become an officer in the Coast Guard. And it was pretty quick that God started saying, no, I got another plan. Pastor? <laughs> Are you serious, God? You, you want me to be a, a what? And, and, and it's his. It's not mine. And so I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, all right. You really want the answer? Here's what I want you to, to do. I want you to be a pastor. And it, it's as little as, God, I have extra time on my hands. Should I sign up for the yoga class? What do you want me to do? He might say, yeah, that's good. He might say, no, you need to do something else. You need to be really careful to say everything is his, and what can I do with it, and what should I do with it? It goes with our money as well. Listen to Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. 3, 9 and 10. You knew I was going to get here. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Uh-oh. Give to the Lord? <laughs> Baskets? Giving to God? And then it says, and your barns will be filled with plenty. Oh, he's not going to go there. I remember that lady on TV. Big hair, makeup, gold chair. Give to God. He's going to bless you. You're going to be rich. It's not what it's saying. Remember we said when we started this series, these are, these are principles, not promises, Right? The principles, not promises. These are, generally speaking, this is, this is what happens, right? This is what happens, right? If, if you're careful with your words, soft answer turns away wrath, right? We talked about that. It's a proverb. Soft answer turns away wrath. What if somebody's mean to you, wrathful, you give them a soft answer, and they're still wrathful to you? Does that mean Bible's not true? Proven wrong. Ravi Zacharias, where are you at right now? Apologetics, it's wrong. It's not what it means. It's, it's generally speaking, this is what's true. 
And he's saying, generally speaking, this is what's true. That when you give to the Lord your first fruits, you're going to have plenty. There are some people that he has chosen to use to not have plenty, to be in severe need for a reason. But generally speaking, you give to the Lord, you have plenty. Your barns are filled and your vats are bursting with wine. You're giving of the first fruit. So in, in the Old Testament, we read about what the first fruits were. You gave of the first of your harvest. You gave, uh, we, we've heard this word before, a tithe. 10% was kind of the Old Testament standard. And so for, for my family, what we're, we're doing is we're giving of the first fruits. So at the beginning of every month, we're giving uh, over 10%. We're giving, we, that was our starting point. We're giving to the Lord's work, right? That's what, it, that's what it, it's, it's alluding to here. We give of the first fruits. We don't say, okay, at the end of the month, God, if I paid my bills and I have some left over, then I'll, then I'll consider. It's saying, no, God's saying, listen, I want to see your heart. Do you trust me? Give first and watch me provide. And for, for my family, man, there's been serious times when it's like, I don't know, God. If, I don't know. Should I? And when, when I give, it's incredible to see how he provides. And, and I'm telling you, there's been such work in my heart because I've, I've stepped out on faith and he's proven himself faithful, but he wouldn't have had that opportunity in this particular area of a checkbook if I hadn't stepped out in faith. And there's such joy in this. There's such practical reward and there's such practical blessing. The question for all of us, I think, is, is this. Is, do we worship our wealth or do we worship God with our wealth? Do you worship your wealth, whether it's money or stuff or, or giftings, or do you say, I want to worship you with that? I want to worship you, God, with that. Uh, to sum up this whole, this whole first section of our Proverbs look at money and wealth is this. Uh, John Wesley, uh, an old theologian, um, said this. He said, gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Simple, right? Gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. In other words, work hard, gain what you can gain, save what you can save, and then give what God has allowed you to give. And, and no, it's all His. It's, it's all His. I want to close with this. I want to make sure that we, we, we always bring it back to Jesus if we can. We should. It, it goes back to Jesus that that more than our time and our talent and our treasure, the greatest gift that God has given us is His Son, Jesus, that He sent to this earth to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve because of our sin. He died it for us to resurrect back to life and say, I'm victorious. I want to reign as your King, and I want to reign as your Lord if you would look to me in faith. That's the greatest gift we could ever receive. And so that gift is, is before all of us tonight. And, and tonight, I think all of us really have, have a question we have to ask ourselves. Is, 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 do I have Jesus as the Lord of my life? Is Jesus sitting on the throne of my life, my heart? Or am I worshiping other things? People, wealth, whatever it may be. What am I worshiping? Jesus or other stuff? That's the greatest gift that that he gave us is, is himself, his son Jesus, who lived the perfect life, died the death, and rose to life and gives that victory to us. So I just want to close asking you, where are you at with Jesus? Have you ever given your life to him? If you haven't tonight, please tonight, I, I plead with you, give your life to Jesus. Call out to him in prayer and say, God, I, 
I recognize that's the best gift, first and foremost. And I want it. I want to receive it. The gift is before you. Would you open it and receive it and say, yes, Lord. And for the rest of us in this room tonight, maybe we just need to start to deal with our heart. Am I worshiping my wealth? Am I worshiping with my wealth? Am I, am I honoring God with what he's given me? Or am I using it really selfishly for myself? Let me pray.